Hey now, and this is the Word Made Fresh podcast with your host, I'm Matthew Tracy, and I'm Wendley Santiel. Once again, thanks for joining us. We are downright delighted to have you. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome one, welcome all. A glad welcome to everyone, and we are continuing our series on the fall and restoration of men. And what will be our study for today? So today we are going to be talking about the fall of man, specifically. Yes, and I think it's a good way to understand why evil exists, not only in the heavens, but how does evil affect us on a personal level. But before we do that, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, again, Lord, these are tough questions that we're going to be dealing with today. And so it's our prayer that you'll give us a peace of mind in the way that we answer them, and that you give us clarity to this topic, and not only leave us with clarity, but with hope as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And this is the third part of uh, the series so far. We've covered a lot, and as we continue, we want to bridge them together so that our viewers are on the same page as us. And if you haven't listened to the previous two, we invite you to go back and listen to them. Just as a review, uh, we studied in the first and the second part about how does evil come into the world. And one thing that we understand from the get-go is that God being the source of everything is good. God is loving. But we are presented with the dilemma of evil still. And from the creation story that we read from the Bible, we see that God created a perfect world. The angels and everything that God created was perfect. And uh, in the last story, we saw that in the throne of God, where God sits, and there was two powerful beings that was very close to him. And those beings sum up the creation of God. They were wise, they were perfect, they were beautiful. And everything in, in those beings, from God's perspective, was created uh, with very high uh, skills. And there is no fault that we found on God's part. But for some reason, the highest being that God created, one of the cherub, he actually challenged God's position. And he actually wanted to set up his own kingdom uh, he actually wanted to become like God. He wanted to be the most high. And they started a big war in heaven. There was a polemy. There was a war that started. There was a clash of idea, to say. And we find out that God needed to find a way to address this problem. How was God going to deal with that rebellion? Right. So this is where we left off last time. And um, the last verse that we read was actually from Deuteronomy chapter 19. Verses 16 and 17. And it lays out a particular principle there. When a issue arose between two parties, if there was a conflict, what is the best and fairest way to deal with the conflict? And so it says there, If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges which shall be in those days. And the point here is that there needed to be a third party to mitigate between the two that were in a controversy. Mm-hmm. So basically, God couldn't just go and destroy Satan. If God were to just destroy Satan right off the bat, things would have seemed to have been unfair. And so we ask you to put yourself in the, the heavenly position mm-hmm. and understand that there was a stalemate, as so it seemed, between two parties and two ideologies. And uh, basically what we need here now is a third party. Is a third party. Much like a jury. Yeah. And what was that third party uh, that God decided to go with? 
So rather than destroying Satan like God could have, mm-hmm. he instead decided to make humankind. And so humanity is the one that we'll see today becomes the third party. Wow, so God made humanity for a reason and specifically to address this question to help bring a resolution to this uh, controversy, this war in heaven between good and evil. That's right. In the book of Psalm, chapter 8, verse 1 to 6, he reads, and I'll read for you. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and suckling that has ordained strength, because of thine enemy, that thou mightest seal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the works of thine hands, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What is the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thine hand. Thou hast put all things under his feet. So this gives us an indication of why God created men. Anything that stands out to you in this passage? So right away, there's an interesting nuance here. Mm-hmm. You read that it says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. And he gives the reason why. Mm. In other words, when God created humanity, and even out of the mouth of children, he gave them strength for one particular purpose. And that was to still the enemy and the avenger. To, He says it was because of his enemies. Mm-hmm. And so we notice right away that this shows that God, when he created humanity, he actually had enemies and he created humanity to meet those enemies, to take them on head on. Yeah, so one of the special reasons that mankind was created was to help solve this mystery. And how exactly is humanity going to help in that quest to silence enemies of God? So, you know, the Bible is not exactly 100% cut and dry on this point. Mm -hmm. But if we take what it does say, we can get at least some idea of Mm -hmm. how that was supposed to happen. So, initially... God makes a mini universe. We call that the earth. And he makes mankind kings over the earth. And much like he is a king over heaven. Mm-hmm. And the laws that govern heaven were to be the same ones that govern the earth. And these laws, when they are followed, show that God's way is the only way that promotes freedom, peace, love, and happiness. Mm-hmm. So we can imagine that after some, you know, some time, as humanity is on the earth in this very good world Mm -hmm. that he originally made, it's going to be shown after 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, 5,000 years. Mm -hmm. We don't know exactly how long, but over this course of time, it shows that, you know what? We have a real example here of what obedience to God's, his commandments and his way, Mm -hmm. what it looks like. Got it. Kind of like giving the angels a second witness in a way, right? And the mouth of two and two witnesses, if we apply that principle. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. His kingdom is actually the best way to go. And if that's the way that God is planning to do it, that would mean there will be no evil. How do we know that Satan's kingdom then is is bad? Right. So this is like that whole yin and yang question. Yeah. There has to be this, like you you have to experience, so kind of like 
no evil in a way yeah, <laughs> to yeah know how that can, is not good for you right yeah. yeah how can you know good if there's no evil mm-hmm. you've got nothing to compare it to well okay so um one way to illustrate that is if we had nothing but you know five foot tall individuals mm-hmm. everybody was just five feet tall mm-hmm. do i need somebody who's five one or four nine to know that those people are either taller or shorter than five foot I mean, it's a dimension, so this is pretty straightforward, right? So, so five is, is five. Five is five. Mm-hmm. And if there is a standard, standard is like the five foot. Mm-hmm. I don't ever need to experience, you know, four, seven or six, two to know that these are extremes of the standard. Mm-hmm. I know the standard is five foot. So it's also similar to like um, if a person said, well, how do you know you won't ever like putting your head under a semi truck? Like I, I, I don't want to try. I don't need to go and put my head under it to find out it's not good. Mm-hmm. So same here. It's the same principle in the garden. When everything was made very good, there's no need to experience evil to know that, hey, this is actually good. The proof is in the pudding, so they say. When you can see that these are the results again and again and again, you know that this is good. And in your mind, you can begin to understand. Think about it. These angels were the wisest. They're smarter than us. And we're not even really that smart mm-hmm. today. <laughs> Back then, totally different ball game. Yeah. And then still, the angels are smarter than them. Yes. So they should be able to reason. Today, we can look at things that are bad. Mm-hmm. And we know, hey, that's not good. So if we can do it, and we're not that bright today, surely they would have been able to understand this truly, really and truly is good. Yes. And I think the lesson to take away from this is that once you have a sourceful a source that is trustworthy, that has experience, that you yourself don't have to go through some experience to, to learn from, from the constraint that is, that is placed in there to help you make good choices. Right. Yeah. And we see that mankind was created for a reason, for a purpose, to help solve this problem of evil. Is there any re- other role that humanity have in this great controversy? And this so, between good and evil? So another one, um, another role that they were intended to fulfill was that they were supposed to represent someone specific Mm -hmm. and that someone we find is in first john or rather excuse me in john the first chapter it says there in the first three verses in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning with god all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made and then when you get down to verse 14 of the same chapter, we find out that this word is Jesus Christ. Yes, and I think this concept is throughout the whole Bible. In Colossians, for example, verse chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it says, For by him, speaking of Christ, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrown dominion or principalities or power, all things were created by him and for him. He, speaking of Christ, is before all things, and by him all things consist. So we see Christ created everything. Amen. Even the devil himself, you know, principality's power, that he is that word that was in the beginning uh, that took part in creation. Right. And so when he says in um, Genesis, let us make man in our image mm-hmm. after our likeness and let them have dominion, and when he created man in his own image mm-hmm. and made them male and female, 
we know that this is actually in the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, kind of like the culture of heaven uh, was supposed to be replicated on this earth. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mankind was supposed to take that heavenly culture and that atmosphere, so to speak, and recreate it on the earth to represent Christ himself on the planet and the kingdom of God as it is in heaven. Yeah. Before we go and address the controversy, uh, is there any other role that humanity play in uh Oh, so as jurors, right? What does that mean? Right, we're talking about how um, God makes humanity as that third party, mm-hmm. like a jury. So they were they were made in a specific way, really to fulfill this purpose. Um, so first and foremost, uh, they were unbiased when they were created. Any good jury, when having to decide between a conflict, um, they must be unbiased and have little to no first-hand knowledge of the crime. And we see that in uh, Psalms 8, like we read. Mm-hmm. God already had enemies. He was already at war with Satan and his angels uh, before humanity was created, and they were made to meet that crisis. Secondly, um, they were made as law-abiding citizens. Anybody who's going to be part of a jury, they themselves ought to be law-abiding citizens. And we find that there's a principle in Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, mm-hmm. that when people are created from the very beginning, even until today, everybody has a conscience. And they have on their conscience the law of God written in their hearts. Mm-hmm. So they were created as law-abiding citizens. And then lastly, um, they were created with this power to really render a verdict because God gave them free will to decide in the controversy and to be able to discern certain principles at stake and things that are bound in life. Got it. And just as a step back, how long is that jury duty process? How long does that last? Why is it the controversy is still ongoing and why is it not over? Yeah, unfortunately, there's a simple answer for why this is all still going on and it's not over yet. Um, The answer is actually in the third chapter of Genesis. And the simple answer is that man was unsuccessful in the purpose that God gave to him. So he was not successful in fulfilling that original plan. Mm -hmm. And it says in um, Genesis, the third chapter, verses 1 through 6, And now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And this is when Satan makes his appearance. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, this is Eve speaking to the devil, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, interesting that her perspective was changed here, she thought it was now good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Mm -hmm. So we see that ultimately men was not a law-abiding citizen all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. And really since then, God has been on a mission of restoration to bring humanity back to that, that state of being everything that a, a good jury should be. 
Yeah, I mean, if we take this back, God created the heaven. Uh, there was a perfect government there. He created perfect being, and we see that there was an uprising with one of them. He wanted to be like the Most High. He was prideful, and then here in the story of creation, we see that God created this earth, and He put perfect human being in it, uh, with ability to choose. And again, we see that there was a, a defect that came into this environment. Is God right. to blame for this fault? Right? Because we have two unsuccessful attempts. So, so is, is God to blame for the cause of evil? Is that an indication to us, maybe, that God is on the wrong side? It's a very good question. And the short answer is no. And the reason for that is, is because in both of these situations, there were it was simply a matter of the choices that people were making or angels in the case of, of heaven to mm-hmm. begin with. So you had people who were choosing to follow the ideologies that Satan was presenting. And as we mentioned with Satan, there was no reason for him to even begin this whole rebellion. Mm-hmm. So there was no fault as we already saw in heaven. And likewise, there was no fault on earth. The fault lie with the choices that the people were making, uh, not with the way that things were actually made okay so in a way that an, an enemy not god is responsible for this an enemy is responsible for it so how can we ensure then that's that this jury that god created he created them how can we ensure that they will be fair and not biased towards god right because if if they were biased towards god you can imagine now that the devil would probably call foul and uh, say this is this whole thing is rigged i told you god is not he is not a good God. He's actually a respecter of persons and he's out to get me just because I mm. called him out. Something like that. Yeah, like right. he's watching for his own interests. Yeah, right. selfishly trying to make sure he still looks like the good guy. Mm-hmm. So um, how can we be sure? Um, first of all, he gave mankind a free will. First and foremost, he gave him the freedom to choose. So they can even rule against God pretty much. That's exactly yeah. the point, yeah. So they didn't have to listen to him. He didn't make them as machines that had to obey him. So what we're trying to say then is they could fail. Yeah. And we saw that <laughs> they did. The risk. <laughs> and um, more than that, uh, not only did they have the ability to disregard God, but they also had the freedom to listen to the devil and the devil himself had access to them. God did not stop the devil from being able to actually reach to you know reach out to them and try to persuade them so god was making it he was making the whole thing fair yeah so both parties as had access to uh, to to the to the human race right that's and right I, i'm just wondering why is it that god is making it so easy for the devil you know to, <laughs> to come and corrupt this new perfect world why did he have to put a tree for you know in the garden why why not cut off access from the devil right okay so why don't we start then with um this idea of why did he even let the devil in there yeah yeah right so he knew that the devil uh, he's god so he knew the devil's gonna win um why not just keep him out of there because then we don't have to have the evil on the planet that we see today well the first point is it wasn't god's intention to ever let the devil or to prevent the devil from trying to persuade the human race Mm -hmm. his actual his purpose was to show or to reveal to showcase that either love of reward or fear of punishment should not be reasons for obedience for obeying god Mm -hmm. Um, but rather simply obedience and trusting in him should be based 
on faith in who he is. And so his intention really was to make an example of what it is to be righteous by faith mm-hmm. in so the first place. I see. So he, he will give them the choice to make to choose between good and evil, just like we see. And then by faith, they have to actually listen and understand that he's on the side. Right. Remember how we said, um, really, the, the, the point is you want to do, do your best to make sure that you have factual information, really, to trust mm-hmm. the source of your information. So he really wanted them to just trust that he did give them the right information and that he was the one telling the truth. Got it. So why the tree then? Why did God put the tree in the garden? A lot of people I know have have an issue with this because they say, well, you know, the tree was the reason for sin, sin, evil, so just don't put the tree in the garden. Mm-hmm. Simple solution. Well, if there were no tree, first and foremost, there would be no grounds for temptation, no grounds for sin, and therefore it would have been impossible for sin to even happen, and therefore the devil would have probably, again, called foul. Mm-hmm. He would have said, "There's." it's like, put it this way, it's like if um, you and I were to bet on a horse race and I own all the horses, you can't win. And so you would say, hey, that's not fair. Same thing here with the devil. He would not have been able to even get a, it, no fair chance in presenting his case. Yeah, and also like God is not controlling, right? He's not trying to control human race to try to do, you know, let them do uh, what he wants them to do, but he's giving them you know, the freedom right. to choose. Right? And that's a big, that's a really good point. Because the whole thing with the tree was to make it a test of their faith and their trust in him. Mm-hmm. He says in John 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. Obedience should be followed by love. And so he gives them everything that they could possibly desire or that would make them happy. All these trees, a great place. He says, just don't touch one tree. So mm-hmm. really we see it was actually a light test to begin with. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing that they were really required to do was exercise faith in his word and act on that faith to thereby maintain their righteousness before him. Yeah, so th- the whole the whole dependence and trust in God's word will actually justify them. That's the foundation. how they maintain the righteousness, right? And I think it's kind of like also a test to strengthen men, right? To help them understand that, hey, just because I created you, I'm not trying to like push you in the direction I want you to push. Right. It's like a um, it's like a military. When uh, anybody who joins the army, you're never just sent onto the battlefield. Adam and Eve, when they were created... They were in a war mm-hmm. and they needed to, just like any other soldier, they needed to be strengthened and tried. And so the tree actually became a means of doing that. The more that they would evade that that temptation, the more they could overcome it and actually not eat from it, the stronger they would become in resisting temptation. And so the devil, he would get less and less, we could say less and less powerful, less likely to actually seduce them. Yeah, and they get a chance to use their reasoning power to make good choices. And also like there's one promise from the Bible in First Corinthians chapter 10 that God will not put a test before them that they were not able to pass. God right. was not trying to trick them by any means. That's right. And how do we make sure that <laughs> this battle, this controversy, this war, this contention uh, will not happen again? That's a good question too. Like what's the guarantee that we're not going to go through this whole thing again? Yeah. Uh, first, there's a promise in prophetic language you can read in Nahum chapter 1, verse 9, where he says, What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise the second time. So first, we have a promise in Nahum. It's only going to be one time, and mm-hmm. this is it. After that, nothing. And I also think it's it's good to give our listeners a good picture of what the controversy looks like, right? 
it is a battle between good and a battle between evil, right? The good being represented by Christ, the creator, the one that made the human race. And also the evil being represented by Satan. And both sides are actually giving all that they have uh, right. to this controversy. Yeah. Um, and, and we can see that, that this whole controversy ultimately um, is between Christ and Satan. Mm-hmm. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So God was not alone in his work of creation. Mm-hmm. But that, that Word that was with him, the one responsible for creating, was Christ. He is the, the counselor of God in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. He was the only one that could enter into the counsels of God and that he was one with the Father in nature and character and in purpose. And in Hebrews 1, right, it says he is the brightness of, of, his, of his glory and the express image of his person, that Jesus is one with the Father. And as creator, we, we see that when, when the devil was trying to take over or, or exalt himself to a higher position, he was really after that position that Christ held. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we see that God allows this to take place, this battle between good and evil, to kind of like showcase, uh, in a way, what is the true course of evil? What does evil truly represent? And it's giving everyone, you know, the angels, the human race, uh, an ability for everyone to see that evil truly is not the way to go. Yeah. Right? And they're both all in on this too, mm-hmm. right? Um, especially in the crucifixion, you can see to what extent that God was willing to pour himself out and humble himself to the human race and before the entire universe. And you can see to what extent the devil was going to go. He had every opportunity to stop shy of killing the Son of God. And yet when he had his opportunity, he took it. And so it shows that they are both fully committed to this work. And so when this work is done, it's done. Yes. And I think one thing as well, as, as we, I mean, as human beings, we can actually see that evil is not a good thing, right? And uh, I think God is letting it play out in, in a way that, you know, when it's said and done, each and every one will have to make a choice what it will be for. And uh, from the story of redemption, we'll be looking into it next week, we see that God is already making headway and defeating Satan, right? Amen. The cross and so forth. Yeah. And uh, finally, we do also have a very clear promise that um, in Revelation 21.4, um, there shall be no more pain for the former things are passed away. Mm-hmm. It will pass away. And when it's gone, it's gone. Yes. And I think, how do we make this switch? One way that comes to my mind is that the human race was created with a purpose, with a special assignment. Isaiah 43 verse 7. It says, everyone that is called by my name, I have created him for my glory. I have created him. Yeah, I have made him. So human race is special and they have a special assignment. Anything else that comes to your mind? How to make it fresh. First, um, one key theme that pops out is this idea of righteousness by faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans verse 16 uh, or chapter 16 verse 19. It says there, your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. We can take God at his word. Mm-hmm. He is trustworthy. And when he says, don't do this, don't eat from the tree, you'll die, whatever it is in our life that we find similar, we can take him at his word. And throughout the whole Bible, the one condition that really makes us or breaks us is this idea of righteousness by faith. Even the devil himself fell because he lost faith in God. He was perfect, but he was not righteous and perfect on his own. He was only righteous Mm -hmm. and perfect so long as he had faith 
in God. Yeah, so ultimately it's a matter of who will we trust, right? And we see that also from, from the lesson that mankind is free to decide what they will follow. Like no one is compelled to follow either after righteousness or after evil. Right? And Joshua 24, yeah. verse 15, a very powerful verse. Uh, Joshua is giving the people a choice. He says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. And he ends the verse by saying, me and my house, I will serve, I will serve the, Lord. the Lord. And we have the example, and when Jesus came to this earth, God even allows Satan to, 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 to be able to have access to him and to even tempt him as well. Right. Any final thought in closing? Well, each person has a choice to make, either between Christ or between Satan. There is no neutral ground in this. Jesus said in Matthew six twenty four, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So let us make the right choice that we know is really the right choice today. Yes, and we hope our listeners will choose to follow Christ. And from the Word Made Fresh podcast, we are your humble servants. I'm Matthew Tracy. And I'm Wendy Snitzel. Thanks for joining us. And guys, if you haven't already, please like the video, subscribe if you haven't, and share with somebody that you think could use the blessing. And we want to hear from you, so please leave your comments below. Let us know what you think. Join us next time. Stay fresh. Stay fresh.